right. Glad you're here. Uh, hopefully you have your Bible and uh, you can turn to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one uh, out of the pew rack in front of you. It's the same translation I'm using today, uh, so you can follow along. Or if you have maybe a Bible app, you can open that up on your, uh, your device. Uh, if you do have a device, I'd ask that you would silence your ringer or uh, put it on Do Not Disturb or whatever it is so we can uh, not have your phone calls or my phone calls. Got to make sure mine's on silent too, right? I've had that happen once, once before. As I was preaching, my, uh, my phone went off. I think it was just me that heard it because I keep it pretty low, but anyway. All right, so we're in John chapter 6. Um, we, are, we are trudging our way through, not trudging, we're, we're moving our way through uh, a series, a Christmas series, right? Sometimes it's a trudge, like, man, we're really, it's really a lot of stuff. But we're, we're moving our way through a Christmas series uh, called Heaven Came Down. Heaven Came Down. And we're trying to look at this as, from a perspective uh, of heaven, of, of what, what was happening in heaven, and what was the, the goal of heaven, and why did heaven have to move and come down. You know, so often we hear the Christmas story, we have the nativity set up in front of me here, and, and it's the baby Jesus lying in a manger. We know the story, and we're familiar with that, but there's a lot about heaven that, that, that had to do with this, and so we're looking at that, and we've, we have looked at that. We began looking at the book of Philippians, as, as uh, Paul would write to the Philippian church about uh, the attitude of humility we should have. He showed the attitude of humility that, that Christ had. He first said that, you know, he's God, and we looked at the first sermon, the glorious humility was what we called it, the glorious humility, and we saw the, 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 the glory of Christ, and we saw the humility of Christ there, and, and we, we exposed that from Paul's writings. And last week, we started to kind of unpack that from John's writings in John chapter 1, where we, we saw the Word. So we, the Word is this, this kind of idea and thought of, of, of reality, and, and Jews and Greeks alike knew whether it was uh, Dabar or whether it was uh, Logos, th- these ideas of, of what the Word consisted of. It was powerful, and it was real and true and reality, and, and they endeavored to find out more and to learn more and to try to explain it. And then, so when John says, the Word became flesh, what we found out was that, that the glory of Christ came uh, at Christmas, right, and was, was here on the earth with us. It was God with us. So that this reality that we hope to understand, this power we hope to see, is now in our midst. And that was, that was a huge thing. So last week we talked about the Word becoming flesh. So we, we, and we really highlighted the glory of Christ in that and the power of God in that. And then the Word becoming flesh. Today we talk more about the flesh and, and what we see there. So when, when the Word became flesh, we saw that the Word is the, the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of, of, of who God is now dwelling bodily in Christ in our midst. And that's, that's an important thing. See, uh, He's here in our midst. And, and so the question we have today to ask is, what's He here to do? Right? What why, why was God and that power and the glory in our midst? And the answer is to be the true bread. He was here to be the true bread. And that's today's sermon title, The True Bread. So we've really focused on the glory and seeing the humility of Christ. We really focused on the glory. We focused on the word. And today we focus on him as the true bread and, and seeing him in his flesh for what, uh, what he has come to do. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to read our passage out of John 6. And it's uh, verses 27 through 40. So let's, let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. And God, as we, we come together here today, we, we come to worship you. We come to exalt you. God, we come to learn from you and grow from you. God, uh, we all come in here with, with different thoughts and ideas and preferences and personalities, Lord. And God, we, we, we tend to even, even make ourselves up to, to be worthy and God, uh, of value because of who we are or what we've done. And God, help us to humble ourselves today. 
Help us to see us for who we really are, God. And, and we're counted as nothing, and you're counted as everything. And you came to save us and rescue us and adopt us and graft us into the family of God. So, God, we want to see that, see that in you today. And, and God, help our hearts be humbled by you. God, as we look to your word, we ask that you would open our hearts. You'd open our minds, that we would be receptive, that we, God, we would be um, ready to repent of sinful thoughts or ideas we have, things we've been holding on to, God, wrong ideas about who you are. And God, we would come into obedience to, to believe that you are who you said you are. God, and we would, we would trust you in every, in every way. God, our desire is to look more and more like Jesus, but, but God, uh, even over that, our desire is to just grab onto you, to partake of you, to let you be all our sufficiency. So help us do that today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, our, again, our passage is John chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 27 through 40. Uh, we will cover a little more of this, but 27 through 40 is what we'll read in our opening time here. Jesus says this, Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal of approval on Him. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, This is the work of God that you believe in the one He has sent. What sign then are you going to do so we might see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our, our ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they replied, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever go hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives him, uh, gives me will come to me, and, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out, for I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those that he has given me, but I should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of God. So today we're going to look at the true bread. We're going to look at Jesus as the true bread. He's having this conversation, and, and today we're partaking together in the Lord's Supper where we, where we uh, partake of, of his flesh and, and of his blood. We remember what the sacrifice that he made cost him and what it meant for us. We, we go to the Lord's table to, today in celebration of the true bread that came down from heaven. So today we're going to look at several things uh, regarding the, the, the true bread, and, and the first one is this. The true bread from heaven uh, is from the Father in heaven. It's from, it's, the true bread is from the Father who is in heaven. Look at verse 30 here back in our text. They asked, what sign are you going to do that we might see and believe, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now see, stop here for a minute. They, they are saying, what sign? And then they're saying, 
we had manna. Our ancestors had the manna. So there's a sign, and we want to see a sign. Now, they had just been fed. The 5,000 had been fed, and, and they're like, wow, look at what, what he just did. This is awesome. And, and if you think back to our, our a series, Written So That You Might Believe, what we saw a lot of is people coming to Jesus as a circus sideshow, right? They wanted him to perform some kind of signs and wonders and miracles, and they wanted their bellies to be full. They didn't really want him. So he, he, he goes into this conversation with them now. He's starting to talk. He's like, yeah, I, I get you. You, you. you wanted the manna. So the sign was the manna for them. And they said, it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But Jesus, he changes the subject, as he often does, and he says, uh, or he changes the, the, the intentions. He said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. But my Father, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Two things to think about with that. One, it wasn't just Moses with some miraculous work giving manna, right? This was a manna from God as the Israelites were in the wilderness. This was a provision from God. It was how they were provided for and they were sustained day by day. In fact, they, they try to hoard their manna, like, oh, let's keep more in just case tomorrow doesn't come. That will mold and go bad, right? It was only good for that day. They ate it that day and God provided for them. They wanted some miracle here. Jesus says, yeah, the, the manna comes from the Father, but, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. You want bread, okay, here's the bread, the true bread from heaven. So who are we talking about? What, are, what is this true bread? What is the bread? And that's, that's where we enter into the Christmas story. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 9. What is the bread? Well, it says, for a child will be born for us, right? There's no talk here about manna anymore. They're not talking about, hey, eventually you'll, be, you'll have your fill. It says a child's going to be born. Well, okay, well, why? A child will be born for us, a son will be given. You, you get that? A son will be given where? From heaven, right? From the Father in heaven. See, the true bread comes from the Father in heaven. This is heaven coming down for you and heaven coming, down, heaven coming down for me. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. And he will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. What will accomplish this? What will send a child? God Almighty himself. The bread, the true bread from heaven is from the Father who is in heaven Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Keep your finger or ribbon here in John 6. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We'll go on more about our Christmas story. Trying to still answer the question, what, what, what is this bread? Who is this bread? What, why? And, and we, we see Jesus speaking about that as an adult, ministering, right, in, in full adulthood. But what we see it, it, it coming to reality earlier, when we talk about Christmas, we talk about heaven came down. We see the manger scene in front of us, and we see baby Jesus in a manger. This is the child that will be born for us. So we see this picked up in Matthew 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from, from who, where? The Holy Spirit. Again, the true bread is from the Father in heaven, right? This is a work of God. Heaven came down. 
It was discovered she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What's conceived in her is from heaven. This is the gift from heaven. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, heaven came down, and and God gave us the true bread, and that was from the Father in heaven. He gave us the true bread, but the bread was there for a reason, to save us from our sins, to take care of something that we couldn't take care of on our own. It goes on, it says, now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken uh, through the prophet. See, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will give him, or they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Such a great and impactful thing. Going back a couple weeks now, we see this is God with us. Not just that God the Father gave us some flesh and blood, but that God himself came and put on flesh and blood. God is with us to save us from our sins. If we think about the, the enemy of Christmas, the enemy of all humanity is Satan, right? And, and the, our enemy is Satan's sin and, and the death that that causes and brings. You see that Satan is a liar, right? So we see in the beginning that Satan lied, and when he lied, what, what did it cause Adam and Eve to do? To sin. And when sin entered the world, what entered the world? Death. Because of sin, there are consequences now, and, and death has entered the world. Satan has tempted us, and we have sinned, and now we all deserve to die. We are separated from God because of our sin. We deserve death. But John 3, 17 says this, God did not send His Son. Again, the true bread is from the Father in heaven. Heaven came down, right? God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Well, then, Brandon, why are you talking about hell and death? Because we are already condemned we're already condemned. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've separated ourselves from God because of our sin. He doesn't need to come down here and say, look how bad you are. You deserve to die. We already are. He's coming down now on a rescue mission. He says he didn't come to the, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why the Father sends us the true bread to save and rescue us through Jesus Christ. Heaven, heaven came down for you. Heaven came down for me. The Father sent us the true bread. Well, leads us to go further into this text. The true bread, number two, is Christ himself. The true bread is Christ himself. Last week we looked at John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and in verse 14, the Word became what? Flesh. And who was that? It was the glory of the one and only Son sent from God, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ himself. And we see in this text, as he's talking in, back in John 6 now, he, he talks about this. He says, I, I am the bread. I'm the bread. Last week we had a lot of statements, the I am statements of, of, uh, that Jesus made, that I am the resurrection of life, I'm the, I'm the bread, I'm the way, the truth, all these I am statements, right? And we focus in now on, on I'm the bread. Let's, let's look at that together. If we go to, go to John chapter 6, pick up verse 32. Let's just pick up this, this train of thought, this conversation he's having with these leaders. Jesus said to them, 
Verse 32, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, so bread from heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. Okay, Brandon, it doesn't say Jesus. Okay, I, I get it. Let's, let's keep reading. My Father gives true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I mean, that, to me, that's pretty clearly Jesus, right? Well, it, it, let's say you're a little resistant there. Let, go to verse 38. So what we, what we just heard was, the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 38, Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven. Who is Jesus? The true bread. He's, he's the true bread. I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 41, therefore the Jews started grumbling. So they understood this. They started grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And then they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have come down from heaven? They, they, they know. He said it right to their face. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. The father that gave the manna in the wilderness is giving you me. I am the bread that came down. Going on, verse 50. He says, this, right, or this, this is the bread. What is, what is me? I am the bread. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So that, the purpose here, anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If, if we just get rid of all the semantics now, we see it plainly stated here, right? Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is what? Is my flesh. So I'm the true bread that came down from heaven, and the life I'm going to give you is life in and through my flesh. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna that your ancestors ate and they died. That is so important. He's like, listen, I know God provided for you. He sustained you. He gave you food. I am not like that. I'm a provision from God, but I'm a provision that brings life forever. The one who eats this bread, me, the one who partakes in me, the one who expresses faith in me, Jesus says, they will live forever. They will live forever. Heaven came down Right? And, and this, this baby is the flesh and blood that God gave us. That if we were to partake, we would have life. So baby Jesus is the bread. He's the true bread. The bread that is flesh for us. And, and I, 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 hope, I hope you understand, as I've, I've tried to really convey this over the last few weeks, don't let Christmas... Be just simple Christmas for three weeks and be done. I, I, I tell you all the time, I'd love to have this up all year round because it, it reminds me and, and focuses my heart on, on the true reality that God came down as a baby, put on flesh in the most humiliating way possible, lived, grew, taught, and then ultimately offered himself as a sacrifice for my sin. Without the nativity, we don't get Good Friday. Without the nativity, we don't get Resurrection Sunday. The Word became flesh for you. Heaven came down for you. His flesh is being offered so that we might live, because without it, we cannot. That leads us to number three. The true bread 
fully satisfies mankind. The true bread fully satisfies mankind. There's nothing else that can fully satisfy us except for Jesus Christ. We can try and try and try and earn and earn and earn and think we've got it and figured out, but we, it will never, you can marry the right person, you can have the greatest kids, it won't ever matter. It will never fully satisfy what is really the problem. But he fully satisfies. Look at what he said in verse 35. Where I know we're hopping around back and forth in John 6. But 35, it says, I'm the bread of life, Jesus told him. No one who comes to me will ever go what? Never, never be hungry, right? And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Jesus can satisfy. He told it to the woman at the well. He said, if you had known who's, who it is before you who you're talking to, you would ask me for a drink, and the drink that I would give you, you'd never need another one. He's not talking about the water. She, she says, where's your bucket? No, it's me. I'm the bread of life. Verse 58, we just read this. This is, this is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like the manna that your ancestors ate and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. But what, what is the manna that you're chasing? What are, what are you going after to fulfill your own heart? What are you going after to fulfill or to make you feel better in your own life? What position are you taking? What, what, where are you in this? Where am I? We, we all try to find something to satisfy, something that will do. But in the end, it's the manna that was in the desert. It would go bad. It would only last a moment. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the true bread. Feasting on me, you will live forever. So how does this bread fully satisfy? Well, it accomplishes something that we could never accomplish on our own. Listen, this is, this is the message. This is why it's so glorious to see that He is the flesh, that He is the bread. That, that Because you and I were created by God to have a relationship with Him and be with Him forever. But sin entered the world. Sin entered the picture. You and I have chosen to sin and rebel against God and as soon as we chose that, as soon as it was chosen in the, in the garden, as soon as we chose it, we have been separated from God by our sin forever. God is holy and perfect and pure and just, and He cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot allow that in His presence. What He created was good and right and very good, and we messed that up. And we've messed up a relationship between us and God. But God is still pursuing us. God, who is rich in mercy, is desiring that we would come to know Him in a way that makes us clean and pure. Because the, the truth is this, the wages of our sin is death. The wages of my sin is death. I deserve to be the one who dies on a cross. You deserve to be the one who dies on a cross. If you don't think so, I, I'm sorry. Right? You, you're comparing yourself too much with others instead of comparing yourself to a holy God. When we compare ourselves to a holy God, there is no hope for the, even the best of us. We are all doomed. And that is, that is a bummer of a story. But guess what? Heaven came down for you. And heaven came down for me. The, the death that I deserved to die, the, the, the death that I owed to God, he said, you know what? I'll take it. I'll put on flesh the glory of God came down to, to, to earth. And we say the humility of Christ taking on flesh and becoming a servant to die for you. 
and to die for me. You see, there's no way for you and I to be in the presence of God except to be perfect. And we are not perfect, and we will die for our sin, and we will die separated from God. But God, right, the Father in heaven sent the Son to be the bread, and that bread is the flesh that's required, and he offered himself for us. So, so here's, what it, here's what the bread accomplishes. I want to read this again out of Isaiah 53. Maybe you caught this a little while ago when we opened our service with it. Isaiah 53, I'll read 1 through 6. Who has believed what we have heard, and, and, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Now just stop there for a minute. It, it's so key to understand we do that. We despise and reject Jesus. We, we see him and say, I don't really value him. Think about it at Christmas time, and maybe you've been convicted of this. I certainly have. How much of this story, how much of this picture permeates my life, permeates my home, permeates my car, permeates my shows? This is what it's all about, is the Christmas story. But I didn't value him as much sometimes, right? I, I rejected it. We all have rejected him. We, we despised and rejected him. Yet the true bread, what did the true bread do? Verse 4, he himself, yet, I love that yet, yet, even though we despised and rejected him, even we look at the nativity and say, I don't value that. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. We in turn, again, here, here's our chance. Oh, wow, he's carrying our sicknesses. He's, he's carrying our pains. This is our chance to believe and respond. But we, in turn, regarded him as stricken and struck down by God and afflicted. Oh, look at that Jesus. He must have some bad things going on for him. Look, look what's happening to him. Don't you see he's taking on what I should be taking on? What's happening to him should be happening to me. And I think he's stricken by God. Oh, God wouldn't be a humble servant of people, just a man of the people. Oh, he would. And he did. So he could go to the cross as the, as the greatest servant we've ever known for you and for me. We thought he was stricken and afflicted by God, but still, right? But he was pierced because of our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities. The punishment for our peace, right? Our punishment was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished Him for the iniquity of us all. Heaven came down for you. And heaven came down for me. This is from the Father. He sends the bread who is Jesus Christ. And that, that He is to be fully satisfying to us. Well, how is that possible? He died in my place, the place I should have died. He paid the debt that I owe. The only way to take advantage of that is say, yes, thank you, I want that. Because that's how my debt is going to be fully 
satisfied. We see that in 1 John, God's love, and how loving is that, right? That he continued, even though we despised and rejected him, he still came. He still was mocked. He still went to the cross. He still suffered and bled and died. John says God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his one and only son into the world, right? Heaven came down. The Father sent the Son. The bread is among us. He sent the Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The. Not a. Not one of many. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's no other God. There's no other, uh, other self-help reality or, or mojo or, or whatever you want, mysticism that you can find who was the atoning sacrifice for your sins. Only Jesus Christ. And then the author of Hebrews says, he did not do this by giving himself as the atoning sin or atonement for sin. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest who entered the sanctuary would do and they'd spill the blood of, an, of another. Otherwise, if, if that was Jesus' method, he would have, uh, had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world, right? Because we mess up many times. This is not some high priest who had to account for his own sin. This is the high priest who is sinless. But now, it says, but now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. I love that. You know, sometimes we, we see this nativity and you think he's appeared one time. Right, once and done. It's, he said it's finished. And, and what, here's, the, here's the thing we do with the nativity sometimes. We bring it out like, okay, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. And we do it, how many times do we do it? Once a year. It's like we keep going back to Jesus once a year to make sure that our sins are removed and we're taken care of. It's like this is how, how we atone for our sins. We set up the nativity and we sing songs to Jesus. This is a permanent reality 24-7, 365. And and in fact, he only had to appear once and do it one time. So that one time was sufficient for you and that one time was sufficient for me. And because of that one time, I should embrace him and think about him all the time. All the time. Not just at Christmas. I'm I'm almost getting depressed that we're going to put this all away in a couple weeks. I'm almost getting depressed that we're going to put it away at my house in a couple weeks. Luckily, I told you before, we, we keep our Christmas Pandora channel playing in our house all year long. Because heaven came down for you. Because God gave us the true bread in the form of Christ, God in the flesh, and that his offering himself, him, his offering his flesh, was something that if we would embrace was fully satisfying the wrath of God. See, that's how it fully satisfies. I, I don't think there's, t- there's times in this life where we, we would probably argue, God, you're not really, be fully, you're not really uh, fully satisfying me right now. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of been drawn this way. I'm, this is more comfortable. I'm more confident over here. This is what I would prefer. And you're not letting me have that. You're kind of being a bummer right now. God being fully satisfying, the true bread being fully satisfying to mankind does not mean you're going to just be, oh, I'm just to- so- totally satisfied all the time with Jesus. I mean, we want to be totally satisfied all the time with Jesus, right? That's the goal. But it doesn't mean our life's going to be awesome. But what it does mean to be totally satisfied, it means that Jesus Christ gave himself his flesh, and in doing so, 
totally satisfied the wrath of God against you and totally satisfied the wrath of God against me. That is total satisfaction. That, that is, it is done. It, for those who believe, for those who entrust themselves and come to faith in Christ, it is finished because of what He has done. And, and here's the temptation. The temptation for you and me is to say this. It's not enough. It wasn't enough. The truth is, it was enough. And, and you say it wasn't enough because you're still bad, and I'm still bad, right? It's like, I, I know that I'm bad. And that messes with my mind sometimes. It's true. You are so bad, and I am so bad. But you aren't too bad. That the blood of Jesus Christ, the finished work and what he offered on the cross, will satisfy the wrath of God against you. And that's the promise that God makes if we come to him in faith, that we would be forgiven. You aren't too bad. He was enough. That leads us to the final point, the true bread, number four. The true bread gives life to those who believe. The true bread gives life to those who believe. Let's go back to our text in John 6. Looking at verse 27, where we started. Don't work for the food that perishes. Now stop there a minute. We're, we talked a lot about food that perishes, things that we, we would seek after that's manna that doesn't really satisfy, right? And, and the work, the idea of working for something, like we, we like that. We want like to work it out. Why? Because we know that we're not enough. And we think that God's love then isn't enough. So he, he talks to this. He says, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life. Oh, okay. And it satisfied their, their need for, I, yeah, I need to work. I need to do something. So let's identify this. He says, don't work for things that perish, which means he is saying, do work for what, what brings eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set a seal of approval on him. Though, so they asked. They, they needed to clarify. What's the normal question here? What can we do to perform the works of God? What, what are those works? Okay, if it's not what we were doing and that doesn't satisfy, give us a new list and we'll do those. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one that he sent. That's it. That's the work. No pain and suffering for you, no religious systems. Or it, it, Jesus is everything. He fulfilled it all. He offered himself. He is enough. He was enough. What's the work of God that you would believe? That you would believe in the one that God has sent. John 6, 37. Go to verse 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. Hold on to that. Just pin it there for a minute. Write it down. Everyone who the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. Jump down to verse 40. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. I don't know if you caught it or not. I hope you do. I hope as we sing worship songs in church together that you are just focused in on, the, on the, what is being sung. Right? We sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Holy cow. Like, I, I hope you looked at that and like you were just weeping inside because of the beauty of that song and the fullness of what it entailed and what it pictured. 
If all you thought, heart the hair, if that's all you got, you need to go back and redo it. It it was amazing. Amazing. It says this. It says that Jesus was this for us. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, right? And everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. I I want to tell you a story. And I don't think I've ever told it here before uh, in church. It's, it's, and I'll, I'll, probably, I'll probably tell it in dramatic fashion and probably way over the top and way, I'll probably over-exaggerate way more than it really happened. I, I don't know, though. Maybe not. I was about 10 years old. And I just I recount this story, and my uncle recounts this story. And when my uncle and I recount it together, I see the fear and the trepidation and the nervousness in his eyes even now. From a story that happened when I was 10 years old. I, I lived in Montana at that time, and, and I, I grew up there, if you didn't know that. Um, that's why I am the way that I am. Right? Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. But I, I, my grandparents lived here, and I would come down here every summer to visit. So 10-year-old 10 10 Brandon was down here during the summer, and, and they lived out on Old Stage Road by Dietz there. And uh, we went across, uh, is it Kaiser Meadow, right? Kaiser Meadow there. And, and we'd go out there and, you know, see the cows and catch, catch crawfish in, the, in Wagon Creek and, and uh, head, up, head up the stream. So my uncle took us on a little adventure. And we went up the creek, Wagon Creek, and up towards Rainbow Ridge and, and just heading up, hiking up the hill. I don't know if there's a trail or not a trail. It just, it was hard, right? And we're hiking up there. We're looking for gold in the creek and trying to find things behind moss. It was really fun. And we get up kind of to a ridge line. And it's, it's me and my uncle and my cousin. My cousin's a year behind me, so she's like 9 or 10. I'm like 10 or 11 maybe. And we get up there, and, and we're, we're at this edge. And you see the creek is way down below us, and it's, it's a ways down, right? And it's this rocky down there, and it's, it's a ledge that I shouldn't be so close to, and I am. And, and here, here's the short of it. I, I slipped, and I fell. And, and I don't know other than the grace of God, because I was a 10-year-old kid, not smart enough to figure all this out. At some point, I, I seriously felt like something re- helped me reach my hand out, and I grabbed a branch of a tree that was rooted into the side of this cliff. And I grabbed it, and I swung like old Indiana Jones style, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm hanging there from this cliff. And my uncle was able to reach down and grab me and pull me up. Here I am today, by the grace of God. I wasn't coordinated enough, wasn't thoughtful enough to even think about that. But it's etched in my mind now, right? It's etched in my mind because that was what I was viewing as certain death, and if not great, great bodily injury. And we're in the ma- middle of the forest, in the woods, and the hills. So we, we get back, and, and it's, it's a story we tell, and we kind of try to forget it and not talk about it a lot, right? As, as I'm thinking about this, as I think about faith, I, it's very similar. And here's, the, here's the, the notion we need to understand, right? We like to say, well, just have faith. Have faith, and God will accept you. What I've known over, over time is having faith won't save you. And I, I know, I, like I just blew your mind, didn't I? Like, wait, aren't we all about faith? Yes. But when we have faith, we count it as righteousness. Like, oh, I, I have faith, right? But it wasn't acting on faith. It was just, I have faith. I have faith. And, and here's what it looks like. I want, I'm, here's the branch analogy. I could be on the edge of a cliff, and I could look and see that there's a branch right there and say, you know what? I have all the faith in the world that that branch could save me if I, needed, if I fell down. If I fell down with that faith intact, I would die. Having faith doesn't save me. The branch saves me. Amen? 
I have to reach out and grab the branch. It's what saves. Having faith is great. Satan knows, Satan believes in God. The demons believe in God and they tremble at that. When he says, those who believe in me, he's saying, it's bigger. It's those who come to me. Those who cling to me. Those who reach out and grab me. Because I can save. See, there's a difference between having faith and living by faith. Or living in faith. Living in faith means I'm, I'm going to grab it. If I have faith that a chair is going to hold me when I sit down, uh, I show that faith by sitting in it. I don't just talk about it. I don't just say I believe it. I don't just say I know the story. I grab it. Jesus is the true bread from heaven for you and for me. And he's available, and he's totally satisfied the wrath of God against you, and he's available, that's available to you if you would grab onto him. If you would grab onto him and be rescued. If you would show the faith that you say you have. If you would grab onto Jesus. I, I talk about it this way, and this is something that I, I really think about for you and for me. And when, I, when I preach, I, I, I don't want to just give you information. I want you to be able to, to wrap your heart around it. Isn't that different? It's way different with my kids too, right? I have my kids and I, I can give them instructions. I can give them the orders. I can give them, this is what we're going to do. And they can say, yes, sir, I heard you. I know, I, I, I have faith you said those things and I will go do those things. That is way, way different than them understanding and knowing my heart and knowing the why behind what they're going to do next. And see, once they understand that and wrap their heart around it, they're good. Oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. I get it. Let's go. Now, not all kids are like that, right? Some are pretty resistant. And so are we. We like to think, oh, I'll put a nativity out. Why? Because I have faith. Have faith in what? Your faith? Have faith in a nativity set, set up three weeks out of the year? Or do you have the Savior? Have you embraced the Savior? Have you, have you come to Him who is the true bread? And have you wrapped yourself up around Him so that He can save you? And are you holding on for dear life to the only one that can save? That's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to believe, and that's what it means to believe. It's not just, oh, I believe. I know. I have faith. No, we live by faith. Grab the branch. Grab Jesus with your heart. Grab Jesus with your life. It's so important. As we, as we head into this moment in a minute to partake in the Lord's Supper, it's so important for us to understand we are not walking up this aisle and grabbing the elements here and, and, and going and partaking in them because we need God's favor. We have already expressed faith in Christ. We've already wrapped ourselves up around his flesh, about, about him being the true bread because he has given himself for us and he is our everything and he has fully satisfied the wrath of God against us. And when we come up here, we just say it out loud and we just celebrate it out loud. That's what we're here to do.